He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What is good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Jim Woodward with you as always. And we are definitely going to be joined by some special guests today. Number one, our first guest, T-Dub, we're going to be talking to Greg Gross, the head coach of the Norman Tigers, probably better known as the 1989 coach of the national champion Oklahoma Sooners in NCAA golf. We have a great interview with him as not only his team wins, but Sebastian Salazar of the Norman Tigers wins the state championship in 6A as well. We talked to a lot of people today, T-Dub. We talked to Taylor Gooch. We talked to Abe Anser. We talked to Bubba Watson. We talked to Eugenio Lopez-Jacara. We talked to Charles Hall and Peter Uline. We got a lot of stuff coming up for you guys. But we got to start with, today was the first day we've ever set foot on the grounds of a live event. And T-Dub, I got to be honest, I was blown away with just the whole process of how nice everybody was with live it was like when you got your media pass it was a free pass to disney world t-dub everyone could not have been nicer there were no fans out there so you got guys like dustin johnson and phil mickelson and cam smith just walking along with us you know the guys are very approachable the guys seem very happy to be here at cedar ridge in broken arrow for live tulsa t-dub this is going to be one of the most fun events to cover, I think, even going forward into our careers because it just doesn't happen like this where you have so much access to these players and such a great venue, and then you add on top of that all the great people that we met today with Liv and everything. I got to be honest, I was kind of expecting, you know, with all the negativity around Liv, the media to be separated from the players, T-Dub, and it just wasn't like that. This was an awesome opportunity for us, and I mean, I could not be more thankful for Liv giving us that access today because that was awesome. That was one of the best days as far as work goes in my life. Oh, the last thing it felt like was work whatsoever. I mean, what a truly (laughs) great experience. It really was. I mean, and Sam, last year we were at the PJ Championship, right? And it's kind of like... Like, you, you felt like you had to do things in a certain way. You know, like, everything was real particular. You know, if you went in a certain area, you had to real be real specific. Oh, this is my badge. And it felt like you are going through TSA at the airport. And here, it's like, you go up to the driving range. Oh, there's Taylor Gooch. There's Patrick Reed. There's Phil Mickelson. There's Cam Smith. There's Dustin Johnson. There's Bryson Shambo, All within, like, 10 feet of you. And they all just look at you and, like, hey, how's it going? Like, we were out yeah, there. Yeah, what's up? Yeah, we're, you know? we're, we're, we're out there on the course watching the fi- – I was watching, the, you know, the teams come through on the practice rounds and the fireballs were out there. Here comes Eugenio Chikara, Abe Anser, Sergio, and, and Carlos Ortiz, and, and Chikara and Abe just look at me because I'm the only one on the tee box because, like you said, there's no fans. And they're like, hey, what's up, bub? How's it going? And I'm like, 
I mean, it should be the other way around. If anything, like, what do y'all say what's up to me for? You know, it's pretty crazy, Woody. I mean, you obviously play on the PGA Tour and been around it. I mean, just the access that we were able to get today and get so close, especially with no fans out there, was truly mind-boggling and something that I, in all honesty, was not ready for personally. You know, I don't know what to tell you guys because every golf tournament I've ever been to, I was inside the ropes. Uh, I'm not a good fan. I'll just tell you that. But this was phenomenal. You know, we didn't know. We didn't know what we were going to see. We didn't know what we were going to get. We've been positive lived through our whole little careers together. But we were positive lived because we thought it was the right thing. Now that I've seen it up close and personal, if you gave me a ticket to a major or PGA Tour event, I'm going to sit at home. I ain't, I'm not going. But you give me a ticket to this live, and I'm going to just tell our viewers and our listeners out there, everybody that sees your, your Twitter account, Sam, where you're interviewing these guys and talking to them, how open everybody was. I was so close to these guys while they're hitting because I love watching swings. I, I, I'm a teacher. I got three feet from them. I, I almost got hit with their club as it went back. That's how close I was to them watching this. And exhibition my ass. These guys can play. They can still golf their ball. It was really impressive. But you know what I loved the most today? There was a lot of teams playing together. Usually in a practice round, and all the practice rounds I've ever played in the majors and all my tour events, there's about one or two guys. Usually there's a bunch of singles out. They got 15 balls. They're chipping everywhere. They're doing everything. Not today. These guys had wolf games going and money games going and all sorts of stuff going on and didn't look like they could care less how close you were to them, talking to them. It was an absolute joy. I am so sold on this thing now. I was sold on it, but now, gosh, I hope like heck Liv makes it. I really do. I was blown away, guys, just by the – production value of it all I wasn't expecting the full-on media center with the big screens and all of that and then I also wasn't expecting the players like I said to be so open we're standing up there on the range the first person we talked to on the range is Charles Howell coming up to us and just wanting to shoot the breeze with us for a few minutes and then you know we can go out on the course and watch these guys play their Wednesday money games because they have the pro-am tomorrow so that this is kind of the day where they do their money games and you know it, it was just so cool it was like these guys are out there preparing for a golf tournament but T-Dub did you not get the vibe that these guys are just more open and happy than they have been in the past I don't know I just wasn't expecting guys like Sergio to say what's up or Bubba you know to want to do a video with me it's just like these guys are so content with where they are and it was so fun to be up close and personal like Woody said but I I think the thing that surprised me the most was this production value from the live side and then the happiness from the player side uh, I mean, absolutely, 100%. I mean, just we talked earlier about the PJ Championship last year and how you can just tell how much more laid back they are, how much it's it, it's not – I don't want to use the word uptight, but it's just so much more carefree. It's like, like you said, they want to be – they're not being bombarded with people, obviously, because the only people there, like today, were the media people, so they understand that we're at least halfway qualified to be there. And it's pretty funny. You mentioned that I was out there watching the fireballs a little bit earlier, 
and uh, Abe Answer gets up to hit a drive, and then all of a sudden Sergio just starts yelling in Spanish for five, him and <laughs> Carlos Ortiz about this. for five minutes. I mean, yelling in Spanish at each other because apparently they're playing a hammer game. We almost saw the fireballs break up on the on the eight tee box. You know, they switched the nines, the normal number seventeen tee at Cedar Ridge. We almost saw the fireballs break up over uh, an argument. And explain that, Tito. Yeah, it was. It, what's funny is Carlos Ortiz is sitting down on the cooler, and at the by the time they're almost done, he stands up like I feel like they're about to get in each other's face on this hammer game. I mean, we couldn't figure out <laughs> they when couldn't you're supposed figure to... out when they're supposed to hammer or when they're allowed to hammer, right? Yeah, we had all kinds of... And then Abe Answers caddy, I guess he doesn't speak very good Spanish. He's like, I don't know what the hell's going on here. And I, I'm sitting there... And, like, and you're you, on the tee box. I'm sitting right there three feet away from him. It's like, I can tell this is intense, Woody, but I have no damn clue what they're saying. <laughs> and then eventually, they finally start saying... Sergio starts saying a few things in English so I could kind of put two and two together. But, man, it was the most intense five minutes where I had no clue what was going on. It was the most unique experience I've ever had in my life. i tell you what was funny. You guys were up there at the press conference, and I burned it off like I always do. I, You know, I listened to them talk. But Tim Smith came down on number 10 to tee off. And it's like your game at the club. They throw up balls to figure who's going to be partners. And when they throw the balls up, Cam's like, oh, I got the load today. <laughs> I was going, what? <laughs> and then I happened to call my wife because we were still working on our cow on our miniature horse that we inherited last night to make sure that was all still cool. And there's music playing, and she goes, where are you? And I said, I'm out here on the golf course. And she goes, well, what's in the background? It sounds like a merry-go-round. I said, it might as well be. I'm at a carnival. I said, this is the damnedest thing I've ever seen in my life. they got music playing all over the place. And I said, these pros. They're not acting like pros at all. They're acting like guys at a country club playing their gambling matches. I'm blown away at what I saw today. It was nothing, nothing like a PGA Tour event. Absolutely nothing. I I totally agree. But the level of golf was so high. It was nuts. I mean, we saw, we followed Bubba and Taylor Gooch for, what, four holes, three holes, and the level of shots that I was seeing just from Taylor and Bubba, and then I saw some great shots from and, and putts from Sergio and the fireballs. It was unbelievable. And even just sitting on the range, T-Dub, these guys are amazing. And yeah, on a Wednesday, they're going to be laid back. And I think that the no fans aspect during the, the practice round definitely helps that. I thought it was a cool moment when I saw every single group that came through, a little girl was in her backyard asking for a signed golf ball. I watched three groups come through, and all three of the groups gave the girl signed golf balls from all of the players and took pictures with her. These guys are just so approachable, which I think is awesome. But the level of golf, dude, it was unbelievable to watch. And for anybody to call this an exhibition is insane after some of the shots that I saw hit today. And I'm going to be intrigued to see how the focus and the and the level of intensity rises throughout the week. You know what I mean? And so I, I can't wait to see like a, a Taylor Gooch or a Abe Anser come down the stretch and, you know, really have that different intensity to them. Because today, like you guys are talking about, it's like playing golf with the boys, and and I think that's what it somewhat is on the PGA Tour if the fans weren't around all the time, right? It's what you would see at the country club or at Oak Tree National with the Oak Tree Gang, that type of stuff, T-Dub. 
and it's high-level golf, but it's guys in their comfort zone is what I saw today. Well, I keep bringing up the PJ Championship, but it's the most relevant big tournament that we've been to. The vast majority of these guys were in that tournament last year. So it's like you go out to a 156-person tournament as we did, and with how many ever thousands of people there were going to be there, and the crowds are going to still be pretty big this week, but you're still going to have a lot closer access than you would have been, at least that just where the ropes are, being that close to the tee boxes. Let me ask you this, T-Dub. If you had a ticket to, let's say, the PGA Championship or had a ticket to live, but you could only use one, which one would you use? It's a really tough question. And say let's not let, let's say that it's not on Sunday, so you're not going to witness history. Let's say it's a uh, Wednesday practice round or a Thursday actual round at the PGA versus the first day at a live event. I just think you get closer and get to know these guys better. Being at live, I mean, these guys are just so open. It's awesome. Yeah, if you're going to try to compare the two, I would say. Well, like PJ Championship last year, Tiger's playing, so that's a, a little bit of a different deal. But also here at Live, you got Phil playing, which is something we didn't have at, at last year. So that's a pretty cool thing to see. And I think one thing that's interesting is that if you're not like, – like if you just love golf, you're going to find enjoyment in both of them. But if you're just more of a casual golfer, you're going to like the Live so much more than you would just because it, it is pretty much like a party. They have speakers on almost every tee box and every green, just, I mean, blaring the music. It's like you watch the TV and you're wondering, where is all this music coming from? Well, it's because it's everywhere. I mean, the speakers are jam-packed. I, I mean, it they got to like, have 100 speakers around the course, right? It's it, Like, not just regular speakers, like giant, you know... Concert speakers. Yeah, right. I mean, literally, it. whenever they were setting up for this earlier, Woody... I literally felt like they were setting up for a majority of a concert, which they kind of were for the Laney Wilson concert coming we in here. We did see them setting up for that. Yeah, right but, but in front actually, of the gates. out on number seven tee box or whatever. I mean, eight green. I mean, they're, they're just. I mean, Woody, it literally is an amphitheater out there, and it's going to be loud and jam packed this upcoming weekend. There's no doubt about it. Well, you you hit the nail on the head when you said now if you're wanting to watch a major, that's a, that's a different deal, and I understand that. But if I've got a choice, I'm going to go watch this live. I was standing down there on 8 Green. You guys weren't there. Chikara comes through, and there's a house up on the hill. They start playing the OSU fight song, and these guys are up there pistols firing. And Chikara turns around and fires a wedge up with a golf ball at him. I thought he was going to kill him, but it was perfectly placed right in front of them. They came off their porch, picked the ball up, gave him a high sign, you know, and went back up onto their porch. Uh, I've never seen that at a PGA event. Trust me, never once. Now, I've seen, well, me personally, I've hit people, and I had to go up and apologize for hitting them with my golf ball, but I've never I've never fired a golf ball up at somebody because they were playing pistol firing, okay? So when you, when you look at that kind of just sheer joy, and, and I think, Sam, you hit the nail on the head. These guys look happy. They look content and very happy. They're out there doing what they do at a world-class level, may I add, and they are world-class players. If you don't think so, you need to go watch them. And they're actually having fun doing it, which is so cool to watch. I'm telling you guys, I was blown away. I, I was there for 30 minutes, and I went, wait a minute. This ain't. This is not normal. This is not what you normally see at any golf tournament. So, for the fans out there, tomorrow would be a great day. Pro M Day be a great day. But I think even when the golf tournament starts, these guys can focus when they need to focus. But I think they're still going to have a lot of fun. They're playing for a lot of money, so they're going to care. 
but it's a different kind of care. I don't know how to explain it, but they just don't seem like they're knotted up. They really do not. And that that's just fun to be a fan, to watch it, because they are that good. They really are that good. I watched a bunch of them hit balls. I watched a bunch of them swinging on the golf course. They're phenomenal. They are really good players. Yeah, and by the way, this notion that they don't practice, guys were on the range all day working on their games. Hardcore. Yes, you, they were very you happy. Know, Sam, but didn't you see that, Woody? Yeah, well, Sam, this is the funny thing. Matthew Wolf came walking by with Nick Heinen, and Nick Heinen's a good friend with all of us. Uh, played golf at Edmund North, went to Oklahoma State. Matt Wolf's caddy. Matthew yeah, Wolf. right. Yeah, and so Wolf, and, Wolf comes walking by, and I gave him a little crap about, hey, you left us at Oak Trim, a little disappointed. You moved to Florida. And he goes, I'll be back. I'll be back. And I said, uh, how's your elbow? I heard it's a little sore. And he said, well, I, I probably hit way too many balls the last two tournaments in Singapore and Australia. And I said, no, 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 wait a minute. We're told you don't practice. You guys don't have to practice. You got guaranteed money. He just kind of looked at me and started laughing. He goes, yeah, right. And I said, yeah, I, I know. But that's what everybody thinks, that you guys are out here. You don't care. I know you care. And he goes, you're dang right we care. He said, I'm trying to find a game right now because I'm tired of watching everybody else win all this money. T-Dub, I mean, we had a long conversation with Boyd Summerhays, the hottest coach in professional golf right now. Is the swing instructor for Tony Finau and Taylor Gooch has won three times in the last, you know, two weeks, right? And so we're talking to him, and he's working with Taylor on everything, right? And I asked him, do you have any other guys out here on Live that you work with? I thought an interesting thing that he told us was that he doesn't want to – be a conflict of interest considering that live does have different teams and they're playing for money and so he doesn't want to you know have to spend half the day with taylor gooch and then half the day with a guy on a different team he's all in on the range goats and and i think that's a massive asset for the range goats it, considering the fact that that doesn't happen on the pga tour yes a lot of guys are working with the same instructor on the pga tour on live, you got that one guy that you have access to, and that's a huge, huge deal, T Dub. I, I thought that that was really cool. Hopefully, we can get Boyd on the on the podcast sometime because he's a really interesting guy to talk to. He really is, and he he damn sure knows knows his golf swing for sure. And what he's been able to do to help TG in particular be able to transcend his game, along with Tony Fino, is pretty spectacular. And he makes a great point because also too, you know, with Liv having the shotgun start, it's kind of hard to go work with one guy for 10 minutes and then walk down the other end of the range with another guy for 10 minutes. It's like, for example, I saw, we saw Pete Cowan there earlier. Who's, everyone calls is basically the European version of Butch Harmon. And he's with Thomas Peters and Brooks Kepka. So I'm kind of curious. I'm kind of like, you know, which one of those guys is, is he going to work with maybe on the morning of a tournament? You know, so it does create a good and interesting dynamic. And Woody, you can even attest to this being, being a teacher yourself. It's like, you know, whenever you try to divvy up all your resources, especially with certain times, it can be hard. But, uh, you know, if you especially got a really good student like TG, you probably might as well go ahead and put all your eggs in that basket. And, Woody, one thing before you go is he told us also that if any range goats ask him for help, he'll help them. But he's kind of hesitant yeah. to help the other teams. Well, and, and that that's so – again, it goes back to this casual. It goes back to these guys are just happy. They're in their – they're in a peaceful place. There's no bickering. There's no uh, ego maniac. It, it's that. And, and you know, we, we got a chance to talk to Dave Bryan Jr. 
I knew his father really well because we played a lot of section golf together. And we'll talk to him tomorrow on the podcast, by the way. Right. I mean, he said to me, which I was really blown away about Claude Harmon talking about Taylor Gooch. And he said, let me just tell you this. Claude Harmon told me that this young man is a golfer. He knows how to play golf. He's got all the shots. He knows how to play golf. He's not into all the technical stuff. He knows how to go out and play golf. For our young listeners out there, you know, sometimes put your track man down and just figure out how to get the ball in the hole as quick as you can. You might surprise yourself. And to hear Dave say that about what Claude Harmon said, if a Harmon is saying that about a player, I can promise you that is huge. Those accolades don't come out of those guys' mouths very often. So I even pulled Taylor off to the side and told him what David said about what Claude said. And he goes, really? And I said, yeah. And I said, that speaks volumes, little buddy. That is huge when you've got somebody like a Harmon. I don't care what age a Harmon is. They're all into golf, and they know golf. And Claude said, let me tell you something. This kid can really play. That was exciting to hear that. No, that's awesome. And my point of bringing this up is we talked a lot to the swing coaches today. When can you do that at a PGA Tour event? You can't. And it's just like the media gets more access, which means the fans, in turn, get more access. That means that we have more content to give you guys, and it means that you can get closer to these guys. And and just I love the whole live aspect of everything that they're trying to do. Um, and T-Dub, I mean, what were your thoughts on that? Because I've never seen us be able to just go on the range and, and talk to Boyd Summerhays or, or Claude Harmon, like T- like uh, Woody was talking about, two days before the tournament. It's awesome. Oh, well, it was whenever I first got there, we walked up and I was meeting our man Kelsey Klein. You know, I ain't seen, I we talked to him in the podcast about a week ago, but I had not seen him in quite some time. So it was really good to catch up with him. And then he's like, oh, yeah, here's Boyd Summerhays. And so I introduced me to him. And, oh, here, here Charles Howe's walking by. You know, so then we start talking to him. And then TG's right there, too. And it's like, it was just crazy that, like you said, it's you don't expect to do this. It's like there were so many times where it's like you're just sitting there. And then, like, oh, Cam Smith just w- literally walks right by you. You know, yeah. it's like you're facing Bill one way. gives you a thumbs up or something like that. Yeah, like, you, it's nuts. Like, you're looking this way on the putting green. You turn around, and there's old Bryson. Like, he literally bumps you in the shoulder. And you're by like, the way, let's talk about Bryson real quick. First time I've seen him in person since last year at Southern Hills. The guy looks like he did when he was in college when I was a freshman and he was a senior, and the guy was skinny back then. He's back to skinny Bryson. I mean, Woody, it looks like that what the the three years that he bulked up between right before COVID started to and even after he won the US Open. It looks like those three years never happened. It's like he went into some matrix vortex and came back out how he was in 2016. It was literally mind-boggling. I mean, you would think that the body would look at least somewhat different. Uh, It's literally like he went back in time five years. It was mind-blowing. Well, that was what I was shocked at because we both looked at each other when we started talking about it. I I said, this this doesn't even look like the same dude. I mean, it does. He looks like he's back in college size. It's like we've lost a half a Bryson. (laughs) <laughs> Literally. I mean, I was looking at this mammoth guy about two years ago. Now he just looks like a normal golfer. So I don't know how he did it or what he was doing to bulk up so much, but it's gone. I'm telling you right now, it is gone. So he's probably having to learn to play golf all over again. I, I would guess. That's my guess. 
Well, what's crazy about it, Sam, is that he didn't play in the PGA Championship, but he was up there for, I believe, two days because yeah. he tried to practice through it. He's lost maybe 30 pounds of muscle in just Since a then. year. A year. That's yeah. unbelievably no, un- he that's looked, unheard of. He looked exactly like he did in college at SMU. It was crazy. It, <laughs> I don't know. I have to speculate because I don't know. But I would have to guess, T-Dub, that his body was breaking down on him when he bulked up, right? That's the only reason why you go back down to small size, right? I, I would, Unless he just got tired of exercising and said, you know what, let's do this. And he ate you know, three calories a day. That's the only way that I feel like he can do it. And maybe it's what he needs because you look at how he's played this year. 22nd, 28th, miscut at the Masters, uh, 18th in Orlando, or 16th in Orlando. That was his best lift start this year. But then 44th in Tucson, 24th in Mayakoba, and then missed the cut in the uh, Saudi International. So his best finish of the year is in 16th place, and not very often is he gaining any types of strokes on the field. So, ironically, he did finish T8 last year at the Open, so maybe if he can get a little bit of form coming back to that, but... Uh, I don't know, Sam. I, I am even what I saw from Bryson today. I didn't see anything that made me think, "Oh, this guy's definitely going to come back and start playing some good golf." I'm going to have to wait and see, and I think it's going to take a little bit longer than some of the Bryson fans would hope for. Woody, I might be biased here, but the guy that impressed me the most today, at least out on the golf course, now he was fiddling with a three wood or five wood on the range a little bit after. But the guy that impressed me the most was Bubba. You just don't realize how much talent Bubba has and how good his hands are. And this is one of those courses where if you miss the fairway, it's not the end of the world. Now we'll see how the rough grows throughout the week. It looks like they just cut it probably last night or the night before that. So it's a little shorter now. And especially if it rains, hitting the fairway is going to be a premium. But Bubba... Woody, I mean, I, I was impressed with everything I saw out of him today. I He's kind of one of those guys that everyone says, oh, he's the captain. You know, he's one of the older guys out there. The guy can still golf his ball. Oh, by far. I mean, those little five-woods or three-woods he's hitting on the range went so high, I lost him. It reminded me of your two shots, how high they would go. It was the dangest thing I'd ever seen, and he's so talented. I've really never got to see Bubba really hit golf balls. Oh, he's talented. My gosh, he's talented. It, it was I, – I just was so enthralled today, guys. I just really was. I There was nothing about that today that didn't impress me. Nothing. The players, the, the atmosphere, everything about that was just first class. First class. First class. And that's the last thing I wanted to get to is the thing that also surprised me, not about the players, but just about Liv and the production that Liv puts on. I was not expecting it to be as nice as it is. It's smaller for sure than obviously a major championship like we covered at Southern Hills, but everything is first class, right, T-Dub? Oh, 100% it was. Yeah, it's like you you go in, you got your media pass, and it it was all just set up very, very elegantly. Had some nice lunch out there that they gave. I mean, it was... Yeah, it was, like I said, it was a very unique experience just from what we're used to. You expect everything to be, kind of as you were saying earlier, a little bit more standoffish as in, you know, hey, we're, we're trying to set a standard here and let, let's make sure that nothing bad happens to these players. We're trying to kind of control the narrative is what I thought I, I thought we were going to get. And it was the exact opposite. It was the exact opposite. It was like, just go out there and experience it for yourself and come back and tell me what you think. Yeah, and it was... Really not even, they're just like, oh yeah, here you go, go have some fun. And like, yeah. oh yeah, here you hey, go, th- no th- rules. There's the course, <laughs> driving range is over there, uh, you know, the uh, the flash area where they're interviewing is way up there by the clubhouse, you know, go off, enjoy your day. And yeah. 
And we damn sure did enjoy our day. I know that. It, it was it, it was just crazy. I, I just cannot believe how how close. Because like Woody was saying earlier, he likes to watch swings. I'm the exact same way. And just being able to get up close and see the ball flight of it, Woody. I mean, even, even at the PJ Championship, you, you got to go behind the range and see a little bit. But what we did today was very next level. And it was uh, it was almost like we could have started giving a swing lesson to any of the players if we wanted to. We were basically miniature coaches in a sense. <laughs> right there. That, that's what just blew me away, is just how close you could actually get to them and look at their golf swings and they talk to you. And it just, you know, at a, at a PGA Tour event, the ropes are so far away from them. You really don't even get a That's what I was about to say, Woody, is we were obviously talking about the media and our access, but the ropes are really close. Like the fans are going to be right on top of these guys. Right, right on top. You don't even realize how close you are until you're there. It's phenomenal is what it is. It is it is golf at such a cool level that I didn't think we'd ever see it. I never thought you'd see golf like this. And it was special. It was special. T-Dub, it's time to get to our preview. But before we do that, I want to talk about the golf course. What did you see in Cedar Ridge today? This is a really tough time of year to have a big-time golf tournament in the state of Oklahoma coming off the winners that Oklahoma has, and then all of a sudden the weather completely turns on its head, and there's winter kill, but at the same time, I thought the fairways and the greens and the new fringes they put in were absolutely pure. The greens look amazing to me, like they always do at Cedar Ridge. In my opinion, the best greens in the state of Oklahoma. They put so much work into this place that I was extremely impressed with the changes. By the way, the nines are flipped, but it's live. So everyone's going off a different hole. So we don't have the, you know, oh, this is a great finishing hole or that's a great finishing couple holes, right? And so I don't even mind them flipping the nines. And so I think that all the things that live at that Cedar Ridge has done leading up to Live Tulsa have been phenomenal. And we'll talk more about that with David Bryan coming up tomorrow. Well, I'll tell you what, the nine flip is not going to have much bearing on the outcome of this tournament. But damn sure it had an impact on me today because you and me, Sam, we're sitting there talking and we're like, hey, let's go down hole 10. And we're like, we look <laughs> we, at each we other. We walked like, in separate directions. Like, like, which hole 10 are we talking about? And we're like, all right, so let's let's distinguish. Are we going to talk about how it usually is or are we going to talk about this week? And I think we determined that we're just going to do it ass backwards from what it is this week, Sam. We're just going to call it as you know, usually is. So we're like, let's go down 17 while well, 17 is now yeah. 8. So it's a little, little, little backwards there. But the thing about it, Sam, is that it's probably been five or six years since I played this course, and I'd really just forgot how undulating the greens were. Mm-hmm. Especially we were back there on number the normal s- number sixteen, which num- is number seven yeah, now. Going to be number seven. Yeah. Once again, I'm getting all freaking confused. <laughs> we're here. still getting. This is yeah. what we were doing all day. Yeah. I mean, we we saw those guys going past that green and trying to hit some little chip I shots. And Woody, some we're on seventeen. We never saw Woody. He probably went to the other. He 17. went. He went to the seventeen for the tournament, which yeah. is number eight, and then we, we, we would never be able to find each other. Again, from that point. But, yeah, there's just going to be certain spots where you're not going to be able to keep the ball close to the hole if you get on the wrong side of it. And it seems like that they're going to have the green speeds probably. I think they'll probably slow down when the rain comes a little bit this week. And that's another thing, too, about the fairways and stuff, too, and, and the rough. We noticed that it seemed like it had been cut pretty soon, pretty recently at least. So you would expect if we get some rain. I don't think they're going to cut it again. I don't think they're going to be able to if it rains yeah. like, like they think that it will. And especially if it rains in the mornings, you're not going to be able to cut it. So I expect that if – if the wind blows, I think we're going to see some tough scores. 
But at the same time, if it does soften up a little bit and there's not an abundance of wind, I feel like some of these guys, especially the best drivers, are going to be able to take advantage of it. And Woody, they are obviously flipping the nines, and they are also turning Cedar Ridge into a par 70. It's normally a 71 with number one, the normal number one, which is number 10 this week, if you follow along with me here. Number 10 at the live event this week is normally a par 5. They're turning that into a par 4, but they're only moving it up about 10 yards. It's going to be a long, tough par 4. But, Woody, what did you see out of the golf course today at Cedar Ridge? You know, what was funny is we had talked a little bit on the podcast before about Cedar Ridge that I ever had played there a lot. And shows you how how many brain cells, I guess, I've killed. I, I told you guys I'd look back through some stats on the PGA section stuff. I actually played there and won our section championship in 2011. He forgot about it. He shot 64 and forgot about it. He shot 71-64 on this golf course. And I'm looking at this golf course, and it was coming back to me when I went to look at this golf course today. (laughs) And I thought, man, I could really golf my ball when I was playing. If I shot 64 on this golf course, I was pretty good at one time. So I I just love the risk. I I really do. it's kind of like, oh, and not an oak tree or something like that, but a, a quail creek. You know what I mean? It, 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 it's not Southern Hills. It's not even close to Southern Hills. But is it a great golf course? Oh, my. Yes. It's a fabulous golf course. And really, for as hard a winter as we had in times, you know, it looks pretty good. There was some there was some winter kill, but not a lot. Not and a most lot. of and it will be course. where the fans are, I feel like. And most of it will right. be yeah, right. way, no, off, way it, off the fairway. I don't know if y'all saw any, but there was yeah. no, at least what from what I saw, winter kill in the fairways. That's a fact. There's no doubt. The fairways and greens looked absolutely immaculate to me. I mean, I didn't actually walk so much out onto one, but just you're so close, you didn't need to. I'm right there. So... It was a lot better condition than what I thought it was going to be. I'll just tell you that. And, and Sam, with well, this is one thing we talked about whenever we first heard that Liv was going to be coming to Cedar Ridge. With some of the other courses in the area that were rumored to host the tournament, this was by far the best when it comes to course difficulty that they could have chosen from what the options no that doubt. were available. No doubt. It, I think that it was by far the best place for Liv to have this event because they couldn't get Southern Hills. They couldn't get Oak Tree. Cedar Ridge, in my opinion, is the third best course in Oklahoma just as far as being fun to play, right? And it's not easy. I'm not saying that because it's easy. I judge courses on does it punish bad shots and does it reward good shots, T-Dub, and we're going to see that a lot this week. I think your winning score is going to be somewhere around 12 to 14 under depending on how good the weather is. If they get a little bit better weather, I'm kind of – judging it based off the forecast that we have that we might get some rain later in the week. But I think that this course looks inviting, you know, off the tee box especially. It, it, there's no – you feel like you can just wail at it. But if you're not on the correct side of the fairways or on the, you know, correct levels of the greens, you don't want to be above the hole on this course for sure – you can get yourself in some bad spots on this course for sure. Oh, 100%. It's not like a Carson Creek off the tee, right? It's not where you – It's the you exact get, opposite of that. Yeah, you're not going to hit it and lose your ball and have to go re-tee generally. It's not going to be native area. You're going to be in some pretty tough rough from what it, from what it looks gonna like. You're going to have a shot with a bad angle, probably a tree in your way. You're going to be able to manufacture some shot 
but at the same time, you don't want to put yourself in those positions because you're probably not going to make birdie and probably not even par. Well, it's like we were saying earlier. It, what if you get above some of these holes, you, you're, your best bet's going to be 12, 15 feet, and then you're going to have to make that length of putt for par. So it's a lot of it's course management, but at the same time, it's just being able to control your ball, especially everyone's going to look at the iron shots on that, but it's off the tee because if you're not able to put the ball in somewhat of a play, you're going to have to play out into the front of the green and probably hopefully have it, because most of these greens do run from back to front. So you'll be able to keep it short of the green and hopefully have a little bit easy chip. But uh, if, if let's just say you get a gust of wind downwind and all of a sudden you pummel it past, it's going to be tough. One thing that Charles Howe brought up in the uh, in the uh, flash interview earlier today was that a lot of these holes are crosswind. And, and Woody, you can attest to this, being a tour player is that crosswinds are a lot harder to deal with than straight into or straight down for sure. No doubt. I mean, no doubt whatsoever. And, 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 you know, I saw one bad golf swing today and a really bad golf shot. And I told you guys about it and you said, Oh yeah, that's Kim that plays on Kevin. Nas See one Kim. Yes. Yeah. And you guys all said, yeah, he won't be here next year. And I, I didn't know the guy, but I didn't like his golf swing. And he hit it off 10, and he hit it about 50 yards left with a three wood. And I thought, whoa, yeah. I mean, that was ugly. Because all the rest of them were just striping it. And uh, I thought, yeah, this guy's not very good. I wonder what he's doing here. And you you both said to me, I don't worry about what he won't be there next year. Well, just to put that in perspective, Woody, in, in the five live events so far this year, here's how he's finished. 48th, 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 47th, 45th. So not very good in all honesty. Kind of what's crazy is that in that Tucson tournament where he finished 48th, that's where Danny Lee won. The Ironheads were actually on the podium with the guy who finished DFL, Sam. Pretty good accomplishment <laughs> from is. the other team. No, that is. But to Woody's point is I think you're going to see some wayward shots this week just because of the wind direction. Um I think we're probably going to get a south wind this week for the majority, but it's not going to be super windy because we have thunderstorms coming up. T-Dub, do we have a forecast? All right, so the forecast we have for this upcoming weekend on Friday, we have a high of 87 with a 12-mile-an-hour south wind, only 22% chance of rain, so that's good. Um, then Saturday and Sunday are both scattered thunderstorms at about 84 as the high with the southeast wind at 6 to 7 miles an hour. Both those days are a little bit above 50% chance. So it seems like what it looks like, Sam, is that we might be able to squirt through Friday with not much rain. It does look like it says it's supposed to rain tomorrow morning, so I think that'll soften up the course a little bit. But generally, we're talking about the wind. doesn't look like it's going to get above more than, at least on the weekend, it's not going to get above 10 miles an hour for sure. And I think on Friday, you may have a gust of 15 every once in a while, but generally it's going to stay about the 10-mile-an-hour mark. Yeah, and for anybody who's not in the state of Oklahoma or not from here, most of our golf courses here are designed for a strong south wind, right? And so I I think that the scoring might be pretty good, but it's just all weather dependent. If they get the rain, Woody, where, you know, there's no lightning, I think that the scores could be a little bit higher. But if they get the rain where there's lightning and then they get a soft golf course, you're going to see some lower scores this week. Um, what are your thoughts on, you know, what the winning score might be this week? I think you're pretty well on it with 12 to 14. I, I, I'm not I'm not saying that it'll be crazy like 20 under, but you're right. We don't know exactly what the wind is going to do and the rain. But those guys are so good. 12 to 14 is a pretty good number. But like you said, if we get some rain and it softens the greens and softens the golf course where the ball won't go into the trees as easily and then they can fire darts, they can go pretty low. 
There's no doubt about that, especially after some of the great shots I saw today. Guys, let's go ahead and dive into the favorites for Liv Tulsa at Cedar Ridge. You have Taylor Gooch, and I'm talking about favorites analytically based on the data golf rankings. And so your favorite is Taylor Gooch with a 6.4% chance to win the golf tournament. Joaquin Neiman has a 5.7% chance to win the golf tournament. Mito Pereira has a 5.6% chance to win the golf tournament. Two Chileans up there, which is kind of interesting, guys, considering when I played for the University of Tulsa, Half the team was from Chile, uh, so you got two guys up there in the top three favorites to win the golf tournament. Brooks Kepka is your fourth favorite at a 5.5% chance to win the golf tournament, and then you have Cam Smith of the Rippers with a 5.2% chance to win the golf tournament. T-Dub, I ask you this every single week. Does the winner come out of the top five favorites the percentages are closer than I've ever seen them. Vegas and, and the analytics are basically telling you that they think it's going to be a wide-open tournament where you know anybody can win. I'm not saying that just a, a journeyman's going to win. I'm saying that any big big names, like the next guys we have are Charles Howe, Patrick Reed, Harold Varner, Peter Uline, Sergio Garcia. Vegas thinks that this could be a shootout. And, and they're probably going to be right in that in all aspects. If you're asking me, like I was in the top five, I'll say, you know, you would usually think that someone like Joaquin Neiman would be a pretty good bet, but he has just not been playing very good this year on Liv. He actually had his first top ten of the year, or at least first top ten on Liv at, at Singapore with a solid tenth place, so has not finished better than that. So I, I saw Joaquin hit a little bit today. I mean, it looks solid, but there was nothing absolutely earth-shattering there. I saw Mito hit some shots. Mito, I do believe, is actually leading the Liv uh, currently in greetings regulation percentage. So I do expect Mito to have a pretty good round, and I would look for him to uh, you know throw him in some DraftKings lineups and things like that. Um, and, and Sam, I mean, from what we saw earlier, I mean, TG is just on absolute form. It seems like that he has not lost any of that fire that he had in Australia and down in Singapore. So it would not shock me one bit if TG goes for the three-peat. Unfortunately, you picked him twice when he's won, so I cannot pick him because that is just... <laughs> You're not allowed. I'm not allowed. I will not allow myself <laughs> to do it for TG's sake. So I would absolutely love to pick him, and I'll, I'll say this again. I think that you're going to be in a pretty good position to win three times in a row, Sam. Man, he was hitting it good today, wasn't he? Him he, and he Bubba was striping both. It. Him and Bubba both. I will say this. The guy that took Taylor Gooch's place on the four aces, Peter Uline, who right now is in second place in the Live Golf standings. Look at this. He's leading the Live League in birdies. He's leading it in driving distance. He's one of the best putters on Live. And he's not the most accurate guy. He's actually dead last in accuracy. Well, I feel like at a course like this where it doesn't necessarily punish you to the full fullest extent if you miss the fairway, you still have a chance to create a shot, T-Dub. I think a guy like a Peter Uline who is back playing in the state where he played his college golf at Oklahoma State, and we'll hear from him later, I think that he's definitely a guy that you have to look out for, and I feel like he's a name that we kind of gloss over a little bit because his official world golf ranking and his data golf ranking aren't as high as some others, but the guy is golfing his ball right now. 
I mean, that's 470th ranked player in the world, Peter Eulon, you're talking about. I mean, if I just look at the OWGR, there's no chance that he could play good. But give me an absolute break. He's the 85th ranked player. And you'll hear this later, but I asked him, do you feel disrespected by your official world golf ranking, basically? And he just laughed and gave the question to Charles Howe, like, obviously. I, I mean, and you should, I mean, he should be feel disrespected. I mean, it's pretty crazy. And what's crazy about it, too, is that he's played on in the five live events. His worst finish is 11th. He finished 2nd, 8th, 7th, 10th, and 11th. So, I mean, he's definitely got something figured out, and he does have the power to uh, to make this, to take advantage of this course because one thing I prognosticate and I think is going to be clearly going into this tournament is that the drivers of the ball who could put themselves in a good position are, are going to have a lot better, going to have some easy wedges on certain holes where some other guys wouldn't. So, yeah, I think Uline has has a great chance. I, I would not pick him to win the tournament, but I do think that, I mean, what well, is he? me either. I, I'm not allowed to pick him to win the tournament. No, you don't but have a I choice, do, I do think that he's going to have a good week, and I do think that distance – can help you on this course where some courses it actually doesn't, like we saw in Mayakoba. Well, especially if it rains, too, where he's, he, like I said, could take a little bit of that distance. He was actually talking about it in the press conference. They showed, we saw a video, finally found the video of it. On number three, anyone who's played Cedar Ridge, it's going to be 12 for this tournament. But a straight, probably, what, 100-degree dogleg left. And he was saying that they put some flagpoles up it's to— It's the one— Bad hole on this course. It's not a good golf hole. I mean, let's just be honest. <laughs> you hit a five iron off the tee, and it's a dead dog leg left. Or you can try to go for the green. But what did Liv do to deter people from going to the green tee? Dub put up like he said flagpoles in the press conference, and I'm trying to picture what that is. I mean, legit flagpoles that you see it like a banker in front of a school. I mean, they're just huge, like 15 of them just lined <laughs> up. And you see in the video, Yulon just takes it between the two flags to see if he could get there. And he, he said in the in the press conference that he wasn't. My able question to. is that a loose impediment? Can we go get one of those flagpoles taken out of the ground? It's a it should be an immovable instruction in my opinion. It's a man made object, Woody. I mean, I feel like that you should <laughs> if get someone some... wanted to go for the green. I'm getting fans out there, get fifty fans around and yank that thing out of the ground. I mean, are you allowed to take immovable obstruction on a tee box? I feel like that, that that's not a rule. If you're word. if you're wondering what we're talking about, by the way, flushing it golf podcast on, on Twitter. They have the video of Peter Uline hitting it between these flagpoles on number three. Or on number 12. 12. No. <laughs> Number three for all the normal people. <laughs> That's the hard thing, isn't it, this week? Uh, well, I don't know. T-Dub, who are you picking? Well, it's a tough point because I cannot take TG as much as I want to because I feel like that he is playing the best. I will say I'm not going to pick in the winning tournament, but I'm definitely throwing old Bubba Watson in my DraftKings. He looked pretty good. He's only like 6,900, and I don't have the odds in front of me what you get him out in Vegas. But I feel like as a long shot, I think Bubba is a good choice because there's a lot of some of these dogleg holes he's going to be able to maneuver it around, and I feel like his height is going to take advantage on some of these holes. I did not see Dustin Johnson today, so I kind of do want to pick him. But I didn't see him. But you know what? Someone who the analytics are down on, Sam, but he is the most uh, most expensive on DraftKings. Get a little bit of Cam Smith. I- I'm just I'm waiting for him to break through at some point. Just has not been playing particularly well this year. But he hasn't played terrible. I mean, he finished top seven in his last two starts. Just not Cam Smith level of golf like we saw last year. Well, and it's, we, we, he heard him speak at the Masters, and he talking about how he's just open about it. He's like, yeah, my game right now is just not very good, and he's pretty frustrated about. It. But no, has kind of figured out the last couple weeks with the fourth and the seventh. That's why I'm kind of a little more more optimistic on him, Woody, because I think he is going to come and figure something out. I do. I am worried a little bit about the driver. Maybe not necessarily the best course for him, but there's just something about Cam Smith. Maybe it's just I want to see the mullet win so bad is why, but uh, if I had saw Dustin Johnson today and I saw him hit, I'd probably be leaning more towards him, but I'm going to go ahead with the mullet Cam Smith, even though as much as I want to pick our man TG.
you both talked about the two guys that I thought since we can't have Gooch. Um, I'm going to go with the Okie. I am going to go with Uline. I think an Oklahoma State guy is going to win this tournament. Okay, so it's probably going to be Taylor. But since I can't have Cam and I can't have Taylor, I, I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb. I'm going to pick Uline. I think he might just surprise all of us this week. I think that's a pretty good pick there, Woody. Two guys that I want to talk about that I feel like have not played solid golf, or I don't feel like. I know that they haven't played solid golf so far this year on live that I feel like are going to have good weeks just because the course sets up for them and uh, the, the setting sets up for them. Number one, I think that this course sets up perfect for Dustin Johnson. I mean, it's long and straight. What you see is what you get, except for, like we talked about, number 12 this week. But Dustin Johnson has not played very well. What, what are his finishes over the past you know, six events on live? He is he's 25th in Singapore, finished 10th in Adelaide, 48th at the Masters, uh, 7th in Orlando, 13th and 37th. So, so what oh, you're oh, saying is he's due. I, I, exactly. Kind of similar to, to Cam Smith. You just expect the, both these guys to finally start playing a little bit better. Maybe the, the back injury with DJ is something that's that's lingered with them a little bit. But even when I saw him on the range at Augusta, he was just striping the driver in the sun. I'm thinking, man, he's going to have a pretty good week, and he finishes 48th. Very, very lackluster from DJ. So maybe he's just going through those stretches where he, he, he has all the talent in the world, but if he's not 100% focused, then it may not all be there. So, uh, But, no, I think you're 100% right. Where DJ's on, this course is tailor-made for his game. It is tailor-made for his game. And also, Abraham Answer. Give me his finishes, T-Dub, because I was looking at some stats, and his 16% bogey avoidance rate is bottom 10 on live. But I feel like at a place like Cedar Ridge in Oklahoma where he's played before, I feel like... He knows where to miss it a little bit. He feels comfortable on these Bermuda fairways and Bermuda fringes where he's going to be and even the Bermuda rough around the greens, which a lot of guys from California or the Northeast will struggle with. Abraham Answer made a name for himself hitting ridiculous chip shots on this Bermuda grass, T-Dub. I don't think that that's crazy to say, but if he's you know bottom 10 in bogey avoidance rate, I feel like it would have to help around a place with similar grass to what he grew up in in Mexico and what he played his college golf in in Norman, Oklahoma, which is right down the road, right down the turnpike. I feel like T-Dub, Abe answer is due for a good tournament too because he hasn't played his best golf recently and he's just so talented. He really is. Yeah, you look at how, because he, he won the Saudi International Asian Tour event. So you look at that, and that looks pretty good. But here's his six finishes, or his five finishes on live, and then you include the Masters in there. 17, 28, 30th, 39, 20th, and 47th. So has not finished better than 17th since then, and really ever since the start of April where they've had four tournaments, hasn't finished better than 20th. So I hope I'm wrong on this, but I'm a little bit down on, on Abe's chances this week. I feel like whenever I feel like a, the state guys are going to play really good because I do feel like the hometown crowd is going to come out and really pump them up. Up. But if you if you put all the state guys in front of me and put them in order, I'd probably have Abe kind of towards the bottom, unfortunately, just because he's not the longest hitter in the world. So yeah. I, I, we talk about how the distance is going to be very prevalent here. It will so be. I, I hope that I hope that I'm wrong. I would love to see Abe go out and win. I'd really love to see any of these hometown. How guys would you go rank them? I'd probably rank them Gooch one, Uline two. I put I put, pro- I, I put Charles ahead of Uline. I would. Okay, but so- just barely. I would go I would go just personally this week. I would go Gooch, Uline, 
Hal the Third, Abe Answer. Maybe I should put Abe above Charles Hal. I just think he's going to have a good week for whatever reason. And then uh, Eugenio and then Matthew Wolf. And the only reason why I put Matthew Wolf so low, even though I think the course sets up great for him, is Caddy Nick Heinen won a state championship on this course. So he obviously has some inside information that other guys don't have. But we heard about the elbow injury, so I'm kind of staying away from Matthew Wolf this week. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Wolf would definitely be the last on that. I'd go Gooch, Charles Howell. I'd go Uline three. Then it's a kind of a little bit of a toss up. I, I'm kind of this is how you are with answer this week, Sam. I kind of with Chakar. I think Chakar is yep. going to have a pretty good week, kind of coming back to to his, to uh, some place that he had good college success. So I don't know what are those Oklahoma guys. How would you rank them? Well, because I put Uline to win, I've got to go with him first. Uh, <laughs> That'd be the smart thing to do. <laughs> I mean, I can't. I can't not do that. You know what I mean? So, uh, but Gooch, you know, I know Gooch going to have a good week. He just, he, he just looks so comfortable and he's just striping it. So I would go Uline then Gooch. I think answer is going to play a little bit on Charles only because I watched answer on the eighth hole, which was the old 17th. And he was out there probably 170. And I mean, he hit a frozen line right over the pin about six feet above the hole. So, I, I went, wow. Uh, so, I'll take answer, then I'll take Hal, uh, then Takara, and then Wolf. Guys, one more guy I have to talk about. Now, he's not a local guy, but a bunch of people from Oklahoma know who he is because of his performance at the PGA Championship right down the street here at Southern Hills. Mito Pereira, guys. The analytics are high on him. And he ranks second in bogey avoidance on the live tour. He ranks second in driving distance, and he's first in greens and regulation on live so far this year. And he's finished top six in three out of his last four events, T Dub. Um, so I think that Mito could get a little bit of revenge on Tulsa. I know that he probably doesn't love being here, T Dub, after last year, but it would be nice. It would be a Nice little storyline there if Mito got a win in Tulsa after everything he went through last year at Southern Hills. I, I really do like Mito's chances this week. I feel like um, from what I saw of, of him hitting earlier, it looks like that his swing is in really good form. You look at his recent finishes, too. Finished fifth in Singapore. Didn't have the best two-week straights. Finished 27th in Adelaide. Didn't make the cut at the Masters, but finished down 43rd, coming close to where DJ was. But then before that, finished 6th, 6th, and 16th in the uh, in the other three live events. And then 11th and 6th in the two Asian events. Before that, he has actually gained strokes in every single tournament that he's played this year. So, yeah, I absolutely love Mito's chances. And that would be a pretty cool story, wouldn't it, Woody, with, uh, with everything that transpired in the 72nd hole last year. At Southern, making that double bogey, missed the playoff by one. It would be cool to see him uh, come out and win if it's not one of these hometown kids. Well, the golf gods need to give him a break. You're right. So why wouldn't it be in Tulsa? So what what we saw today, I guess what we all saw today, is there there's so many talented golfers on this live tour. I mean, it, it it's get out the dartboard and throw it again. Because for us not to be really that high on Dustin Johnson is crazy. He's only one of the best players in the world. Uh, for us not to be high on Cam Smith is crazy. He's only one of the best players in the world. So I think this is going to be a really cool golf tournament to watch is what I think. And who's going to win? Uh, I don't know, guys. It, it's going to be a crap shoot. But I hope the weather holds. I don't want a lot of weather if it's possible. 
But I think what people will see is if they do go to Tulsa this weekend, these guys are the real deal. Uh, this this is not exhibition golf, as we were saying. It's not even close to exhibition golf. These are world-class players. And right up close to them, get right next to them, get to watch them play, pretty special. Pretty doggone special. Absolutely, Woody. Uh, T-Dub, are we ignoring the obvious? Let me give you three names here. Brooks Kepka, Sergio Garcia, and Patrick Reed. Brooks Kepka obviously made his run at the Masters, but won in Orlando, and then he finished third in Singapore when TG stared him and Sergio down in that final round. He was obviously striping it. He just couldn't make a putt in that final round at Live Singapore. Talking about Brooks Kepka, and then obviously along the same lines, you had Sergio in that playoff with Taylor Gooch, so obviously he's striping it, and his iron game is always elite, and then Patrick Reed just seems like he's up there every single tournament. Patrick Reed is the reason so far this year, because Dustin has been down a little bit, that the four aces have been the best team on live up to this point. If I give you those three names and you had to pick one for your life, T-Dub, which one are you picking? I'm going Brooks Kepka. Yeah, I feel like Kepka would probably have to be the choice. What well, the week go, leading up the week before the PJ Championship next week, we saw what happened the week before the Masters, right? I mean, he fin- won down in Orlando and finished second there. So I expect something very similar happen there. It looks like Kepka is finally healthy and in good form. And I will say, we talked earlier about everyone being more laid back. Patrick Reed was acting like this is the biggest tournament of his life. I mean, he was zoned in the entire time. <laughs> so I mean, he is he is all in, baby. So no, Reed is going to have another good tournament. I will say. I'm probably what more... kind of music you think that he listens to? Oh, probably some because he always has headphones in. For anybody who doesn't know why I'm asking that question, probably Christian rock to try to repent for some of his decisions. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, you know, the thing about Sergio is that he did finish second in Singapore, but that is a course that he has a lot of history at and had some good record at. So I'm probably going to be a little more down on Sergio Woody. So if I had to put those three in a list, give me Bruce Kepka one, Reed two, but not very far off because Reed is treating this like the biggest tournament ever, and then Sergio pretty down there. At the bottom I, I expect Sergio to kind of finish more towards the middle of the pack maybe maybe crack top 15 somewhere around there there's another great question because you just mentioned three names and we haven't even talked about Phil Mickelson because he looked pretty sharp when I was watching him hit a few balls and watching him tip is just so special I, I, I sat there watching chip for about 10 minutes and he's just such an elite player I know he's a little past his prime but if you force me I'd say Kepka. I think Kepka, this golf course sets up really good for him, much more so than Reed and Garcia does. So I'm going Kepka. I'm going to go Kepka. I think he'll have a good week. I really do. I definitely think the Bombers have an advantage at Cedar Ridge. You mentioned Phil's chipping, Woody, and he came out with a chipping lesson on Twitter today, a video uh, from Phil Mickelson that people got to check out, talking about keeping the toe down when chipping on these bad, grainy Bermuda lies. It's easier to get the club under the ball with the toe down. And, and I think that, yeah, Phil Mickelson is a guy that we haven't talked about, but he has played solid golf recently. And we haven't even talked about this T-Dub or Woody, we have a major championship coming up next week. Do you think that that factors in to picking these guys this week at Live Tulsa? 100% it does. I think that those guys 
We'll be running it up. I wish I had in front of me exactly who all is playing the PGA Championship next week. That would be some useful information. I have it right here. I think it's 18 guys, T-Dub. So we know, like, like for example, I, I think this greatly helps someone Here like Bruce Kepka because I know that he's going to be gearing up for next week at Oak Hill for sure. So the guys that are at Live Tulsa that will be teeing it up at Oak Hill for the PGA are Abe Anser, Dean Burmester, Paul Casey, Bryson DeChambeau, Taylor Gooch, Dustin Johnson, Martin Keimer. Uh, is that Siwon Kim? Did he get into the PGA? I think he did somehow. I think it was through the... Of all the federation. of all the lip players to get in the PGA Championship, the federation, we got C one Kim the PGA Championship, but we can't get Taylor Gooch in the damn U.S. Open. What is going on so with golf? C one Kim, you got Brooks Kepka, Honor Bon Lahiri, Phil Mickelson, Joaquin Neiman, Mito Pereira, Thomas Peters, Patrick Reed, Cam Smith, Brendan Steele, and Harold Varner the third. That's your eighteen guys going to the PGA Championship next week. Woody, you're going to have to take this because I'm blown away that C1 Kim is in this field. I don't even know how to handle this information right now. I know I saw how he got in. I'll look it up real quick, fellas. Yeah, I'm going no way. No way. I should play in the PGA before he should. Okay? Um, (laughs) I don't know. I I, I don't know how the PGA does their structure anymore. So, uh, you're asking the wrong guy. But he's not my favorite this week. He's not my favorite next week. He's not my favorite until he takes up bowling. Okay? Because that guy didn't look like anywhere close to how good these guys are playing. So, I would say, you know, are these guys prepping for Oak Hill? Yeah, they are. They're getting their, you know what, they're getting their games ready. But you talk about a 180-degree difference between Oak Hill and Cedar Ridge. Oh, my. I mean, it is a huge difference, guys. So, where you have to – Maybe your driving doesn't have to be all bad at Cedar Ridge. At Oak Hill, you better hit the ball in the fairway. So uh, look for guys that are driving it well that are going to the PGA Championship because they're, they're going to be your favorite. All right, T-Dub, are you ready for this? This is how Siwon Kim got into the PGA. So it was rule six of the new criteria. <laughs> so it was the top three on the OWGR's International Federation ranking list as of April 24th, 2023, that's how C1 Kim got in. Because, by the way, we talk a lot about how Liv has, you know, like Taylor Gooch, for instance, his official world golf ranking should be higher. C1's should be lower, but he's not, you know, getting docked for finishing in the 40s every single Liv event. Yeah, he's not getting knocked down because you look at it, he doesn't even have a data golf ranking. That's how bad he has been playing. But he's 239th in the world. So how about that, Sam? You got C1 Kim, 239th in the world. You have Peter Uline, a 480th. And then you have Charles Howe third at, uh, what, 372. And you got guys on the PGA Tour that are way ahead of those guys. I, I, I'm, it makes I, no sense. I literally feel like I walked into a parallel universe that C1 Kim is in this PJ <laughs> Championship. I am so flabbergasted right now. I don't even know how to continue the show. Did so. I say Uline? Is he in the PGA? I don't think that he is. Let I don't think say, he is either. I don't think Charles Howell is either. Unbelievable. No, neither one of them are. I don't think either one of those guys are. So, Woody, are you going to pick a guy that's playing next week in the PGA, or are you going to pick a guy? I, obviously, you're not. If you're going with Uline, but I mean, do you think that that has any sort of factor or do you think it's just, you know, Liv Tolson, these guys are focused on this week before getting to next week? 
I think it is. Uh, you know, and I'm not sure a lot of these guys even want to play before a week of a major. Uh, so that uh, we can't get in their heads. We don't know what they're thinking, but they have to. Um, I mean, they don't have a choice. Yeah, they, these 14 live events, they've got to play them. Period. So. Do I think a guy off the live tour is going to win next week at Oak Hill? I, I hate to say it. I don't think they are. I really don't. Uh, I, I think it's just a matter of time, though, just between you and me, that a, a live guy does win a major. I, I think it's going to happen. I think it is going to happen. I mean, it's already gentlemen. kind of happened. I just don't know. Right, with Cam yeah. Smith. Yeah, it, it, it has. And, and Cam Smith uh, at Oak Hill could be a little bit dangerous because you don't have to hit it far, but you better hit it straight. Yeah, and he's definitely so, he's definitely struggled with the accuracy. <laughs> Man, I I hate to say it, T Dub, but Taylor Gooch sets up perfect at Oak Hill. He really does. Oh, big time! I, I have literally not seen one thing on TV or in person today that would make me not pick Taylor Gooch. I mean, he is playing so good right now; it's truly unbelievable. The consistency of it too—it just seems like every shot he's just in full control of, and wherever he wants to put the ball, he's going to. For example, on on number eight today, which is usually number seventeen. Hit it right in the middle of the fairway and hit his next shot to, what, two and a half feet or something like that. I mean, just an absolute flush shot from about 160 yards out. So, so now TG is going to play well this week. He's going to play well next week. I think the only question we have to ask ourselves is, when is he going to start playing bad golf? Because I don't think it's going to come anytime particularly soon. No doubt about it, T-Dub. All right, who are you going with for your team pick for Live Tulsa? I'll tell you this. Obviously, I have to pick Taylor Gooch this week, which I think he is, has a great chance to win the golf tournament. But I'm not going to pick the Range Goats, and I feel like that's the direction that you're heading, right, T-Dub? I am in love with the Range Goats this week. I feel like that they are going to win this tournament. And I feel like that they will – I feel like the Range Goats – have a lot better chance to kind of control this team element than even anyone does in the individual because I feel like TG's playing so good. What I saw from Bubba was good. Didn't see a whole lot from uh, HV3 and Thomas Peters, but I feel like that both of them, at least the last couple weeks, have been showing a little bit more form. So, Woody, I am absolutely in love with the Range Goats. I thought about going with the four aces, but from what I saw today, give me a little bit of that pink and black. That's going to be looking pretty good come Sunday afternoon. Well, I'm going to go with four aces then. That's what I'm going to do. Woody going with my pick. The four aces, I think that that's a great pick, Woody, considering the fact they have Patrick Reed, who is one of the most consistent players on live. I think that DJ is in line for a bounce-back week. He's definitely due to have a great week this week on a golf course that sets up perfect for him. And then, obviously, if you get consistent play from a Pat Perez who has been Ironically, T-Dub, we made fun of him last year, but he's playing consistent golf so far this year. And then Woody is picking Peter Uline to win the golf tournament. I think that that's a good pick from Woody. That leaves me, guys, with the fireballs. I think that Sergio coming off a solid finish, losing in a playoff to Taylor Gooch last week or last time they teed it up at Live Singapore, I think that he will lead his squad. You have Abe Anser, who obviously played his golf at Oklahoma. And then Eugenio, who played his college golf at Oklahoma State. I'm getting a steal, guys, with the fireballs. I think they're going to have a really solid week this week. I think that there's a, a comfortability factor when it comes to these guys at Live Tulsa at Cedar Ridge this week. 
Well, I thought about going with the fireball, Sam, but after what I saw transpire on the 8T earlier, I feel like the team camaraderie is shot. <laughs> I mean, I feel like they were about to go to blows over this. I mean, we, it was probably been, would have been for us we're a few dollars. We're probably exaggerating it a little bit. The, the Spanish guys like to get fired up, and they clearly just didn't know when to hammer. It, it was all in good fun, but in all seriousness, for a practice round two days before a tournament, I did not expect the intenseness of, of the voice that was going to But also, too, they could have been saying the most lovely things to each other in Spanish. I wouldn't have had a clue about it. It was just <laughs> all, right. I was judging off of tone here. So, but, but no, the fireballs definitely have a good chance for sure. And if Sergio can find some of that form he found in Singapore, your chances are a lot higher. No doubt about it, guys. Let's go ahead and hit a break. But before the break, I got to remind all of our listeners, if you're listening to this podcast, please go hit that subscribe button on Spotify and the follow button on Apple. It will just give you a notification whenever we drop new episodes. We got two big-time interviews coming up tomorrow on the podcast that you're not going to want to miss. And then, like I said, we're going through Day in, day out this week at Live. We're working every single day here on the podcast, so definitely stay tuned. And then you can also find us on golfoklahoma.org and thesportsanimal.com. So coming up after the break, we're going to have an interview with the 6A state champion head coach Greg Grost of the Norman Tigers. He not only won one state championship this week, but two, you'll find out how after the break. And you'll also, after the break, hear our press conferences and interviews, I guess you could call it, with Bubba and Taylor Gooch. And you're going to hear from Abe Anser and Eugenio lopez Chicara. You're also going to hear from Charles Howell and Peter Uline coming up after the break on Oklahoma's Leader in Golf, the 73rd Hole Podcast. Join the hype. Live Golf is coming to Tulsa at Cedar Ridge Country Club, May 12th through the 14th. See the top players who include DJ, Taylor Gooch, Bill Mickelson, Cam Smith, Brooks Kepka, and Bryson DeChambeau battling it out. This is high stakes golf with a whole new vibe and a whole new energy. Rally your squad now and see the big names with big swings compete in this new global league. Tickets are selling fast. Get yours now at livegolf.com. That's livgolf.com. And we are back here on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. And as I said before the break, we are joined by the 6A state champion head coach, Greg Grost, of Norman High School. And not only did Norman win as a team, he had Sebastian Salazar win the golf tournament individually up at Bailey Ranch. And Norman High, T-Dub, when I was in high school, I mean, Norman High was not on the radar, and Greg Gross comes in there, and within a couple years, Coach, you get these guys to win a state championship. This is so awesome. I love this story. Um, what he was telling me a little bit about Sebastian, we'll get to that uh, as we walked around live today. Um, but, Coach, I just want to start by taking me through the week. I mean, what an awesome experience, and you walk away with two state championship trophies as a coach. I mean, you got to be over the moon, right? Well, I'm just I'm really happy for the guys. I was some people asked me if I would consider coming out of retirement back in the 
summer of 20. So we're in the middle of COVID. And, and um, I said, yes, my wife said, are you nuts? And, you know, I'm, I'm a little on the other side. I'm in the back nine, if you know what I'm saying, age-wise. And so, you know, I said we would go in and, and I just told the people that, that the administration that if I'm going to do this, I'm just going to do it. Like I know how to do it and I'm going to approach it like it's a college, it's like a college team. And they said, fine. So, um, you know, we started off with 22 guys that showed up for the first meeting in the summer of 20. Uh, we had to do it outside because of COVID. And, um, when they found about the seven o'clock workouts four days a week year round and stuff like that, we got down to a really manageable side pretty quick. Um, you know, Sam, you know all about that. It's a lot. You, you, you remember those early morning sure. workouts in college. I know that. No doubt. So, no doubt, uh, coach. So the bottom line is that, you know, that they, we, 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 we wanted to create some expectations. Um, we wanted to focus on what we, what they could accomplish. Um, two years ago over in, in Tulsa at uh, Forest Ridge, the weather situation that you all are well aware of happened the second, the second day and, the tournament was canceled with nine holes to play. And, you know, we were, we were doing a, a pretty good job there and it just didn't happen. That's golf. Okay. You know, all the, all the crying about going back out didn't, didn't want to change. We weren't going back out. Uh, last year at Jimmy, uh, we hosted with Roman North and we had a great, a great event. And, and, you know, we just, we didn't play well. The third, the, the, the second nine on day one, I mean, the, probably the fourth nine on day one. And, and we just didn't get to get to the, get the position the last day. And so this year, um, the first, that first, that first meeting at seven o'clock in the morning on back in August. And, and, and we looked at them and, and said, guys, what's the, what, what's the, what's the theme this year? And one of the seniors said unfinished business and every, uh, every morning, every round, every night before on the road, that's how they close. Everything it was unfinished business. And, you know, yesterday at about four o'clock yesterday afternoon, they had their last one and they said finish business. So that's how it worked. That's pretty awesome stuff, Coach. It's a tremendous accomplishment. You guys win and stay. But most of the golf fans around this area will, will know you most famously for being the head coach of the University of Oklahoma when you guys won the 1989 National Championships at Oak Tree. So just uh, just kind of take us through your journey, how you ended up from there to ended up, uh, you know, where you were yesterday winning a state championship. You know, I walked away and, and – um, after 20 years as a head coach in Division One in 2000 from OU, I, it was 44. And I was lucky enough to have a four-year-old and my wife, Michelle, and, and I wanted to be full-time husband and full-time dad. In 20 years, I felt like that was a good enough amount of time. And My peers across the country asked me if I would take over our coaches association, which I had been a member of all my life, all my coaching career. And in a weak moment, 23 years ago, I said yes. And, uh, um, I said I would move it from the land of Mickey to, to Norman, Oklahoma. And we've been right here on Main Street in Norman and, uh, for those 23 years. So, uh, you know, I live in college golf and, and all the things that are involved with that. I just was on the administrative side and, um, you know, helped out high school kids around Norman, whether it was Norman High, Norman North, or wherever it was, if they asked. And so then in 20, like I said, they some people said, hey, the coach Bruce Renfro was – um, decided to retire. He's actually a, a women's coach now at, at, a, at, a, at an NAI school and doing a great job. And some guys came to me and just said, Hey, would you do this? So, you know, the answer is yeah. So, uh, um, you know, I came out of retirement. I'm a little bit on the, like I said, I'm on the back nine for sure. 
And, uh, but the guys, you know, it's different. You know, uh, Thursday night, ladies' night in, Oklahoma, in Norman, Oklahoma, and that's what we worried about when it was at OU because be sure everybody got home at night. Now I worry about prom night, uh, orthodontist appointments, and driving in, driver's ed. So uh, it's just different, but it's still fun. I think if the, our listeners knew how far you and I go back, they they probably wouldn't believe because most of them weren't born. Um, <laughs> what, what, what's, what's amazing, we talk about the back nine, and I'm on it right with you, brother, because we're the same age. And uh, I laugh with these young young bucks I'm with because I just get tickled by them. The other day, and just now I sent him a picture of a cow that ended up on my property. Uh, and a little miniature horse out got there. We're still trying to figure out, but we know whose it is. And trying to laugh to a cow made me really long for going back to play golf. But here's a question I got. Because you and I kind of are doing a little bit of the same thing. I'm a volunteer. I'm not full in coach at Carl Albert. Tell, tell our listeners, because oh, you're just this kind of guy. It's, you want to give back, right? And that's I what I want you to talk about. Like, why are you doing this? It's not. It's nothing more than you want to give back, isn't it? I have been so blessed and lucky since I walked out of TCU a long time ago. Um, you know, I could play a little bit, but I certainly wasn't going to make a living out there, and I figured it out pretty quickly. Quickly, uh, my former college coach Jimmy Clayton, University of Texas Hall of Fame guy. You know, Jimmy said, I think you would love to coach. And I said, I, I think I would. And so that's how it started. You know, I was a 23-year-old head coach in Division One. I. I had a, my first team, I had a player older than I was. But when this, when the guys, some people here, some people behind the scenes in town said, would you do this? You know, basically it was to try to share the things that I've learned and witnessed from great players that I was lucky to be around and just give it back to the next generation in hopes that they carry it on too. Um, hey, Woody, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, you're at Carl Albert, um, and, you know, EJ Fister now is helping Edmund North. And I, I was with EJ for uh, yesterday because we were paired together. And I said, EJ, you need to do this. You need to do it all the time because it's rewarding and it's a way to give back. And, you know, Woody, you do it with, 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 with Mike Holder as the influence, EJ with Mike McGraw and, and Holder. Um, the best college golf consistently in the United States in one one area is in the state of Oklahoma. And if you look at that six that six A state yesterday, look at the schools that are influenced. Stillwater, come on, we chased Stillwater all year. They won five times, I think. Okay, uh, Edmund North, Norman North, Norman. I mean, they're all influenced. And then you got Oklahoma Christian and Cameron and all those other schools. College golf's everywhere here. And so our kids, and I have to speak from the men's side because that's what I know, the boys' side, they're influenced and they are, they're about team. It's about the team. Well, those are some great building blocks. And that's what, uh, that's what is important is they understand how to do something together. And, uh, Woody, I admire the fact that you're doing Carl Alberts, you know, EJ's at Edmund North, and there's other guys out there that I know are doing it that have played college golf as well. And just, just give back and, it's all about the game. Coach, I mentioned at the start of the show, Sebastian Salazar winning individually. 
Now, I've never met this kid in my life, but I can tell you that he has some guts because I see on the scorecard here that he doubled number 11 in the final round and went on to play the last seven holes at two under par to win the state championship individually by one shot and was the only player under par for the golf tournament. Woody was telling me a little bit about his story as we walked, you know, out here at Cedar Ridge. And I just want you to share that story and tell me more about this kid because, I mean, any kid that can go out there and double a hole on the back nine and then play two under golf to win a state championship, I have massive respect for. Well, he's 16 years old. Uh, he's a world-class player. Um, he is from, he's a good citizen from both the United States in Venezuela. He was born in Children's Hospital here in Oklahoma City. And uh, uh, I, have, I haven't seen the statue, but his grandfather has a statue in the Starkey Center down at OU in the old uh, building. Um, he has strong ties to Oklahoma. And I met Sebastian um, back in uh, the fall of 19. Uh, I was in Westwood with the team. Uh, probably, yeah, no, I was, I met him at 20. I'm sorry. I jumped my, I, I'm getting old. I forget the date, but anyway, it was 20 and, uh, it was, we were Westwood in, in there in Norman. And I saw that there was a Salazar playing OJGT events and I didn't know the family. And so I was out the range and, and his dad, as it turns out, and, and Sebastian were hitting golf balls. And, uh, I walked up and introduced myself and my guys and said, yeah, that's the young man that we don't know who he is really. And so I met him and, and, uh, you know, that was about the extent of it. And then, uh, as the fall went on, uh, uh, they, they contacted, uh, Norman high school, uh, because they have relatives here about the possibility of, of him coming to the United States and going to school here. Uh, because as I think you probably know, Venezuela has got some pretty strong problems there from their government. Uh, and, it really wasn't overly safe down there, especially for a young man who was dual citizenship, uh, American. So it wasn't, it wasn't the safest place to be. And, um, you know, he was very limited in what he could do and, uh, and move around as far as school and, and family and stuff like that. So uh, they worked with uh, Norman High School. There's all the family in the world here in Norman, uh, the Salazar family, an extended family. And, and they worked through the process to, to see if he could come to school here, and it worked out. Um, so he arrived, um, um, in, uh, you know, he was back and forth to the family here and then he arrived, uh, last August to go to school, walked in and, you know, the guys knew him, my guys knew him, the kids from, you know, and all the kids at Norman knew him because it seemed, you know, around, around the state playing junior golf, even though he wasn't from living in Oklahoma all the time. So, uh, he fit right in. Uh, he's a tiger. I, uh, he, was ranked as high as 450 in the Wagger as a 15-year-old uh, from his international play, U.S. Juniors, uh, the Open Junior, I mean, the British, the RNA Junior, uh, you know, all those kind of places. Uh, played live, didn't live, pardon me, you said live, I'm going to say lack. He played the Latin American Amateur back in January, and um, he's just a really skilled guy, And but there's still the adjustment. You know, he's in a new school. Uh, he's English, he's bad, he's got about four languages, but, I mean, his, you know, he's still adjustment. So, He's just gotten better every day, and his conditioning is better. Uh, his emotions, he starts to work on his emotions because, he's, you know, at that age. Um, and he's been great. And, you know, he played really well at Enid uh, about 10 days ago, shot 66 to, 
the second round up there in regionals. I hit 18 greens, you know, easy 66. And, uh, you know, he looked at me when he got home. He said, I think I'm ready. And I said, I think you are too. So, um, I mean, he was playing against some great players, you know, Parker Sands, uh, Grant Gudgel, uh, you know, all those kind of guys that were playing uh, yesterday, uh, you know, uh, Josh Stewart. And he just, he had, you know, he had it and he was focused. Uh, he stayed with the process. And uh, when he hit out of bounds on 11 yesterday, uh, you know, he, he, you know, later on he told me, he said, I knew exactly what I did. I did exactly what I knew I was not going to do, which was to, to get out and get aggressive. And he said, after that, I went right back to the process. And he said, I stayed and I didn't go pin seeking and uh, just, just tried to hit solid golf shots. And guess what? There was one, it was one. Coach, you, you've had a long track record of success up to this point. How has coaching in general and just the landscape of golf changed from whenever you first started coaching to now? Oh, wow. Woody, I might need some help here. Um, <laughs> that's a good question, T-Dub. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, it's certainly more athletic now than it was before. Um, um, it's, it's more, there's so much more technology there that, uh, that we have available, whether it's, you know, it, it's a track man or flight scope or, or, you know, coach now, whatever that, whatever you use from videos to, 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 you know, to figure out all the technology involved with it. And the kids of today are, are they, they, they depend on instant gratification. They want to press their phone and have the answer in a second. Whereas Woody's generation, my generation, all of us playing and Sam, I, you know, you're, you're, you're a little older than, than, than these guys, but you've been out of college for a little while. You know, golf is not instant gratification. Just because you spend the most time practicing does not mean you're going to get the results that you think you will. And sometimes the you know, the numbers that they're spitting out on spin rates and fall flight and smash factor and all those things, which are, are wonderful tools, they don't translate into how you handle the moment. How do you decide to come home at 12 o'clock on prom night when you're leaving the next day to go to state versus coming home at two 30. Okay. And so these kids today, the young people today, they, they're not as patient, I think as before they don't understand the process. And that's honestly, that's what I've tried to make them understand that this is not a, this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. And, uh, you know, I was, and that's, that's kind of the best way I can answer it. It's, uh, I had one of the guys who I took up there who was playing six for us. And I took an extra player just in case, you know, somebody throws a shoe the morning of the tournament or, you know, has, you know, doesn't have a good Chick-fil-A breakfast or something. And, <laughs> right. And so the, you know, the bottom line is he rode around a lot with me and, and he's a really good player himself. He played a lot of this year. He pretty easily started for us. And we were talking yesterday and he said, you know, I think I've got to do this, 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 and this, this summer. I've got to, I know I've got to get bigger and stronger. I've got to work on my both of this at the top. He rattled off about nine things in the space of, of par four that he's going to work on this so that he has a chance to do what Sebastian and all those other guys did this week. And I said, why don't you just go out and have some fun and play golf until dark and, you know, and see if the scores get better. He kind of looked at me and goes, no, it's more complicated than that. And I said, no, it's not. 
So they're not as patient. They're better athletes. Their expectations in this state for golf, if you play golf at a high level, the expectations are to look at Stillwater and Norman. Let's be honest, okay? And they're great role models. So there's, that's the best I can do, buddy. Go ahead, Woody. I'm sorry. I was uh, still messing with my cow. Uh, <laughs> you know, Greg, Greg here's, here's what's funny. It, it, your answer couldn't have been better. Uh, you're spot on. And that's the same thing I try to tell these young men with this Carl Albert team. They want something overnight. They don't realize the work that goes in to it. And and what's so cool about this is sometimes our age and our wisdom, they don't really want to listen to it. But I always tell these young men here, hey, every place you're going, I've already been. If you're lucky enough to be able to get to the PGA Tour, well, I did it, okay? So don't try to tell me about what you need to do to get there, okay? So when you're coaching now, that's got to be more fun than anything is to impact that wisdom. But now here's my million-dollar question for you. How long? Now, you heck, you two years, you already won the state title. So are you going to be at Edmund North for a while and just win it every year? Or how long are you going to do this, buddy? <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously, you know, health, you know, health is a factor. Uh, the GCA and all the stuff that we do, college golf and events and Palmer Cup and all those things take a lot of time. Um, this, you know, I'm very lucky to be able to have have an assistant coach that really does a good job. One of a, a former player or, or whatever is a real true assistant coach golf wise. I don't know. Um, I told Sebastian I'll be back one more year as long as the school district renews the contract. I told him I'd send my agent soon to discuss long term and extensions, but I, I didn't get much of a response. Uh, uh, but uh, I told Sebastian I'd be here for him. He's got one more year, and and some of the other guys, and we'll just take it year by year. I mean, I think that I think the key part of this, if my health is good and knock on wood, it is right now. I enjoy it. I get as much out of this as they do. It's fun. What do you know? It's fun. And um, they listen a little bit. You know, after a while, they actually listen. And uh, so there's, that's kind of the best way I can say it. We're going to take it year by year. And, and uh, when it's not fun, I'll, I'll walk away. Well, Coach, I really appreciate your time today. The last thing I have for you, you mentioned before we went on air that one of your former players just happens to be a former major champion, the 2004 Open champion. Todd Hamilton sent you a text of congratulations on winning the state championship. Uh, maybe share that story uh, with our listeners out there. They might enjoy that. Well, I got looped into a chat text deal with a bunch of the former players and uh, Hammy and Doug Martin and uh, Glenn Day and I think Hunter Hospital's on there. I'm not sure. I can't figure out what that certain phone number was, but it's Fort Worth. So there's a bunch of them, Todd Mercer. And uh, so they've been shooting stuff back at me and, you know, asked me if I had to have a cart to get around the course, you know, typical stuff. All right. So, uh, you know, if I could walk at right nine holes. And uh, but so I call Todd because he's coming in. His, He's got a uh, family. One of his daughters is graduating from grad school in Oklahoma this weekend. And we were talking and having, we were catching up. I haven't talked to him, you know, in a couple of years since, since, since COVID. And, and we were just, we were just, you know, doing what we do, which is telling stories. And I said, you know, I said, Todd, every day in those van rides, and we've had a bunch of them this year, a lot of overnights. And I said, we tell, I tell stories about you guys because they've heard about you. They can look up on, you know, on the internet, see who you guys are and what you did in school, after school, 
and they want to know about you guys and they, and they listen. And this is the fun part of it. You know, I have real life, true stories. And, and I said, they're not always about golf. It may be about basketball in the morning with, you know, with Doug Martin and Todd Hamilton going nose to nose and, and whatever. And, uh, so Hammy goes, he goes, well, Hey, what are you doing this weekend? I said, well, I'm going to go up to the OJGT, which is great junior golf in this state. Maury Rose and the OJG, OJGA or the OGA. And I said, I've got, they got five of them playing up there on Saturday. So I said, I'll go up and watch some tee off and whatever. And he said, can I go? So he's going to go up and with me in the morning before he goes and watches his grand, his daughter graduate. And uh, we're going to go out and watch some junior golf, which is just, that's, that's awesome. Todd Hamilton. That's Tammy, okay? That's Tammy. So uh, uh, I said I'm gonna I'm gonna go introduce him to the first tee to someone to a to a guy that knows a little bit about golf. So uh, you know, it is. It, remember, golf is about relationships. Woody knows this more than anybody else. Um, it's about relationships, and the opportunity to, to give that relationship and share over cross generations in a game is pretty special. I'm there. Well, I'll tell you, Coach, I can't thank you enough for coming on board with us. I'm proud as punch of you. I'm happy as hell for you. And like you always have done before, if you've got somebody you want me to look at their swing, even though I'm a Carl Albert guy, you know I'll be there for you, okay? I, I understand. I, uh, I, I've i got a couple of tall ones that are lean and lanky, so uh, I'm going to be coming to find you, okay? <laughs> well, I don't know about the lean and lanky anymore, but I still got the height. There you go. Guys, I appreciate you having me on. It's, 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 it's fun. We're living some stories. And Sam, I followed your junior career and your college career. And uh, I think that uh, you're fabulous on the radio. I've listened to you quite a bit. And, and uh, I think you listened to your dad and learned a lot. <laughs> well, I really appreciate go, that, Sam. Coach. Thank you. Thank you very much. And that is the head coach of the Norman Tigers, Greg Gross. Not just the head coach of the team winning Norman Tigers of the state championship, but also had the individual winner this year in 6A. Greg, thank you again for your time. Thanks, guys. Hey everyone, T-Dub here. I want to take a second to tell you about my good friends at McCray Roofing. Not too long ago, my roof was in desperate need of repair. There was extensive hail damage and I had many leaks that needed attention. Not only did Jeff and his staff build me a new roof, but they walked me through step-by-step of the claims process, which is something that I was very, very concerned about. Everything from the initial inspection of the roof to analyze all the damage to meeting with the insurance adjuster to make sure they were aware of every damaged area, making sure my claim was accurate. Their custom copper creations are truly beautiful and add a great touch to any roof. Not only do they do residential roofs, but they have an elite list of commercial customers, including Gallardia Country Club, Oak Tree National, and Bass Pro Shops. Check out their website at mccrayroofing.com to view some of their work yourself and give them a call at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Back here on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. T-Dub, it is time to dive into these press conferences we had today. We were fortunate enough to be able to ask some questions. We'll start off with one of my questions that I asked Taylor Gooch about trying to block out the external noise that's going around TG right now. I thought it was an interesting answer that Taylor Gooch gave 
in regards to all of the stuff, not just trying to three-peat this week, playing in his home state, and also with all the USGA noise that's been going on since his win in Adelaide and Singapore, T-Dub, this was an interesting answer. Yeah, I thought it was a really great question. I really do because there's a lot to be distracted by, right? I mean, the banking count has increased very substantially. You've been pretty much all over the golf news, even golf channels talking about you in a sense. So, so no, it, it was an absolutely great question coming back to his hometown. And as you said, as he usually does with us, he gave a tremendous answer. Here's Taylor Gooch. Taylor, how do you not get distracted by all the external stuff? Going for the three-peat in your home state, all the USGA stuff. I know they were joking about it, but it has to be tasking on you. And obviously the major next week, how do you make sure you're focused on golf? Because that's a lot of stuff going on around. Hey, listen, uh, it's our job. Uh, it's pretty easy to get locked in. If this game uh, was easier, we, I might be able to you know, be distracted and not worry about the golf. But man, golf's, golf's hard enough. At the end of the day, there's, there's nothing given to you with it. And so you, you know you got to put the work in. You know when it comes game time, you know, there's, there's nothing that's going to – you're not going to just make birdies by showing up. So, um, man, it's, it's, it's how I've, I've built my life is, is you know, how are we going to get better this week? How are we going to get better today? And so, um, you know, I, I'm grateful for all of the external stuff, all the extra stuff going on because, you know, that means there's a bunch of good things that are happening. And so um, – I will sleep pretty good each night this week after the last few days uh, with everything going on. But it, it's a it's a blessing and an opportunity to to you know, like Charles said, we want to have a, a an event here in Oklahoma as often as we can, you know. And so I want to make sure that we're doing everything we can uh, to make it a great week, uh, not only for the players or the fans, the media, everyone in between. Um, so yeah, I mean, hey. This golf course is, is not easy. Golf's not easy, so none of us want to show up and, and not play well. And at the end of the day, that's the most important part. I, I've said it a few times now. I call it the rule of 67. You focus on shooting 67s, everything will take care of itself. <laughs> and then Peter and Charles, I was going to ask you guys, since you're playing some of the best golf of your career, does it ever cross your mind or do you feel disrespected at all by your official world golf ranking and how much you know do you guys actually think about that you can answer okay, that I, go for it um <laughs> so i think i think all of us are at different stages in our career um yeah i had uh, what 23 years on the pga tour and um yeah i I feel kind of rejuvenated to come out here. It's a bit of a uh, of a new life and a second wind. Um, being around all the the young guys, uh, all the young guys out here pushes me. Um, you know, the World Golf Ranking System. Uh, obviously, I think it 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 needs some tweaking. You know, I think uh, I think we've put together good enough fields and events and. Uh, that are deserving of world ranking points. Um, obviously, that's a starts a big debate and a long, longer one but I think uh, I think quite simply put I think we're deserving of world ranking points and uh, and if not then I think uh, there needs to be some other form of criteria not just for me but for the next generation next guys coming up uh, to play their way into major championships Peter you have anything to add to that? Verbatim Okay <laughs> <laughs> Great, great stuff from Taylor Gooch right there. And also at the end of that, you heard me ask the follow-up to Charles and Peter Uline talking about do they feel disrespected about their OWGR. Peter Uline looked at me like, yeah, obviously. And then he gave the question to 
the ultimate politician, which is Charles Howell III, talking about the OWGR there. I mean, right move to hand it to Charles Howell there. I feel like <laughs> no he, he handled that best way possible. I mean, we we articulated what their the difference in their OWGR with for Uline and Howell versus their data golf ranking. They're both within the sub 100s there. I think both better than 87th, and the their world rankings are both outside the top 375. So I mean, it's just an absolute joke. And uh, as as I've learned in any situation, you give it to the better speaker. And in this point, Charles handled it very beautifully. No doubt. And I just wanted to give them an opportunity to speak on it if they wanted to. Uline didn't want to, and Charles basically gave the PC answer. But obviously, there needs to be a tweak in the system. And it's absolutely great stuff there. And, and just coming up, you'll hear the question I asked the group of them because I tried to want to find something that they could all relate to in a sense. And with the forecast coming up, looks like it's going to be a decent amount of rain. All these guys either either have a normally low ball flight or they can hit it low. And in particular, TG's been hitting that stinger that's been actually become quite famous over the last couple of weeks. I was just wondering if, if the course softens up a lot, will that change the way he approaches it? And he gave, as always, a great answer. Question for all you guys. It looks like in the forecast, going to have some rain coming in. It'd definitely be off and on here or there. And in particular, TG, it seems like a shot that you've been hitting a lot in your wins has been that kind of low bullet three-wood or out of any club. Will y'all's course strategy change depending on how the weather, and if so, how will it? So I'll, I, I got a quick little story, side story. So uh, at Carson Creek, uh, my freshman year national championship was there. And this guy hits as good of a stinger as anyone. And um, Coach McGraw and Coach Braddon went to a few of the tee boxes where there was some native grass around the tee boxes and kind of trimmed it a little bit lower <laughs> in the front so that neither of ours, but especially his, would not clip the grass. The grass. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, but I think, you know, the three of us know how to play in this wind pretty good. Uh, it was windy around Mexico. Yeah, it Charles was. Charles did all right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I think uh, I think we're not going to be upset if there's a little bit of wind this week. Mm-hmm. Peter, want to add? No, I yeah, <laughs> I prefer playing in the wind. I don't like I don't like when it's calm and you know it's like a shootout. I prefer when it's windy and you got to work the ball a bit. So, hopefully the rain doesn't kind of hit us. It usually. I just remember when it came out of the north, it was bad here. But it was the south. I feel like this time of year was tornadoes. I don't really remember there being storms. <laughs> yeah, this is the yeah the time of year. Who, yeah. who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> but I remember the, I remember tornadoes this time. But yeah, the voice of Peter Uline right there, making sure it is tornado season in Oklahoma. And That's he's all he He's hundred percent right on that. hundred <laughs> percent. That's exactly right. After those guys were in the interview room, we were able to speak to Eugenia Lopez Chikara and Abraham Answer. And T Dub, I was curious to ask Eugenio, what are your thoughts on top players coming from college? And do you have a good feel for if we might see top players start doing what Eugenio did and go straight from college to live without ever taking a stop at the PGA Tour. Here's what he had to say. Quick follow-up. You were talking about your transition straight from college to live. You're pretty much closer to those college guys than really anybody out here. Um, Do you think in the future we'll see more guys do what you did, the top players, um, and what would you tell them about that experience and that process? Yeah, I mean... Obviously, the PA Tour University are doing a lot of change because the number one guy that's on the ranking left. So they obviously don't want that to happen. So, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be hard to get the 
you said the top ranking players. I mean, there's always an option. I feel like leave golf. Leave golf is the the best spot to go after after college. Just not because of money, like what people are saying. Like there's all everything talking about money and money and money, and kind of like get tired of that. I feel like you're we're playing against the best players in the world. We want to beat them. We want to learn from them. And like I said before, I mean, you just you're just learning a lot, and you have guys on your team that they're helping you. So that doesn't happen in the PA Tour. So for me, that and for us, that the PA Tour or other tours, we were never members there, and we never made money there or anything. So they can ban you or whatever they're saying or what, whatever. I don't know what's the situation. I'm kind of tired of all of that. But I just say we're normal golfers. We want to play golf. We love golf. We want to beat each other, and we, we, we're getting better. I mean, and we actually, I know a lot of people try harder here than they did on the PA Tour. So, so it's just an awesome tour. It's a, a learning process, and there's a good thing that you can also make money. So it's, it's just a great spot, and I'm really proud and thankful for Leaf Golf to give me the opportunity to be here. And then my other question was, how has Live evolved since you guys first got there, just as far as, you know, maybe people accepting it? And then, obviously, a lot of fans this week from Oklahoma, and like for you, Abe, and for you, Eugenio, from OU and OSU fans to be out here, what might they, you know, what might they be expect, or what would you tell them to expect coming out to a Live event for the first time? Yeah, I mean, I just think that most of the negativity you see it uh, just on social media not people that really show up to an event and, and go enjoy golf, right? And I see a lot of a lot of people that go to an event and it's like, well, that was a lot of fun, and they they come back. Uh, the the tournaments that have been overseas, for example, Australia, that was that was unbelievable. That was an insane tournament. Uh, it was packed every single day and every single hole. Um, I absolutely loved it. I mean, I it felt it felt like it felt like a really big time, big time event, and you started to see that a little more in the states. Um, and I feel like it's just like I said, it's just the noise of social media. But people that are true just golf fans and they go want to enjoy a good time and watching some good golf, they go to an event. They're like, this is a different product, but it's it's, it's definitely really cool. It's, I don't feel like you need to pick sides. You don't have to pick sides. You just watch golf. You have another option to watch golf and. Come check it out, and people that have, they probably come back. It's just, uh, it's just a good product. Yeah, like I feel like what he said. I mean, it's all about social media and people that they even know anything. They're just saying, saying stuff, and people who believe that. I mean, we're just playing golf. I promise you. I mean, I got lucky enough that I play some amateur events on the PA Tour, and it's just golf. It's the same thing. Guys want to play good. You want to play good for your team now, obviously. But it's just golf. People are going to watch golf, and the good thing here, you can enjoy music, you can be loud, and you can pretty much do whatever you want. So it's it's more it's more fun. And like I said, all my family and friends and people that I know, they actually enjoy live golf way better than other tours so so we had a great product and hopefully it can stay like this for a long time good stuff there from both eugenio and then that second voice you heard there was abraham answer talking about the evolution of live and how people are starting to accept it and why he thought it was the best choice for his career tw you asked him a great question about Ryan Hibble and and kind of explain what you wanted to hear from them. I thought they gave great answers. All the guys we talked to gave great answers. Yeah, they really did. I mean, very, very outspoken. Like we talked earlier, just very much laid back. Now, I was in particular to ask Abe what his favorite Ryan Hibble story is. It seems like every OSU golfer we have on, we have to ask the Mike Holder story. So now I feel like, you know, there's not as an abundance of OU golfers that are OSU. So anytime that we do, I got Or the statute of limitations isn't up yet. A hundred percent. So (laughs) it was for Abe. Yeah. And uh, as, as, 
a lot of, of people know, especially who played for him in the way we understand it, Hibble was a little bit more, you know, serious, maybe more so than he is now. So it was pretty cool to hear. He's still intimidating. Oh, there's zero doubt about it. But there, <laughs> there was a certain amount of, of seriousness that was there whenever he first took the job. And, uh, and Abraham gave a great answer there. And then I also asked him, about uh, how exactly Sergio has impacted both both uh, Eugenio and Abraham as well, being the uh, captain of the Fireballs. And no pun intended here for the Fireballs, but they gave a pretty fire answer when it comes to Sergio. Thanks, Scout. Thanks. <laughs> right on. Over there. Hey, this is for both of y'all. y'all. You briefly mentioned Sergio earlier. Just curious. If there's one thing either on or off the course that he's taught y'all you've learned from and that kind of sticks out? I think for me, I mean, he's been like my second dad. I mean, he's helping me so much. I learned so much from him. He's always trying to help me. I just, like the recently one, even Abraham and Carlos told me, this, this season I start changing stuff, changing equipment and everything, and they sit down with me, and even though I didn't like to hear it, and it was not what I wanted to hear in the dinner, I mean, it's something I needed to hear. Like, they, they've been there for so much, and they trying to help me, so they sit down with me and tell me, all right, just stop doing what you're doing, just go back what you were playing, and, you're, and then I did that in Singapore, and I had one of... Well, obviously the best week I had this year, but obviously, like, what's my game, you know? So they're always trying to teach me. Even Sergio has more experience than them, but he's, these guys also have a lot of experience. They've been playing golf for, for a lot of years. So I'm very grateful for the opportunity of Sergio gave me and Abraham and Carlos teach me all day, and I'm here just to learn a lot, every, uh, to learn the much I can every day. Yeah, I feel like this is such a, it's such a tough sport and, and lifestyle that you have to, to really understand what works for for you and if you have a mentor like for example like Sergio that has gone through through a lot of stuff and just learn from golf and outside of golf uh, I think we've we've learned a lot and you can see when somebody might be making a mistake and you can kind of like hold back and just you want to let them kind of figure out by themselves but also if you can stop it from something that will spiral down to like take some time and it will probably hurt your game like I don't know changing equipment when you're just searching for stuff uh, it's really cool to have a team around you to step in and say, hey, look at, look at what you did months, like three or four months ago with this equipment or, or whatever it is. And it's nice to, to hear it from, from somebody else. Sometimes whenever you're just playing somewhere else, you don't, you don't have that. So um, I've definitely, I feel like we've, we've learned quite a bit in this short amount of time. Um, and we're going to keep on learning. I, I feel like I've been out here for a little while now, uh, seven, eight years as a, us no yeah nine years as a pro and i still have so much to learn and um having Sergio on the team is a it's a great great captain and, and teammate to to really lean on and my last question for you Abe. we've had uh, coach hibble on our show numerous times just curious what's your favorite uh, story from him or one that sticks out above the others Whew. well it's just there's a lot of stories uh i feel like now when i first got to ou uh, I was, I think I was the first or second guy he recruited. He just got there. So he got the team where we're not ranked as good as they are now. And I guess he had a lot of stress on his shoulders. He really wanted to, to turn it around, and, and he did. But he was, he, was, he, was a, he was a scary guy back then. I feel like now he's mellowed out quite a bit, and he's having a lot of fun time because he's got a lot of good players, and they're doing really good. So everything is clicking. But back then, you didn't, run, you didn't want to cross him. And you're still one. You're still on. When when they're not playing good, you can you can see his face. <laughs> exactly. And a good story is uh, we were playing ping pong on the on our locker room, and we we get pretty heated matches. And 
I, I lost it for a second, and I punched the uh, the re- refrigerator. Yeah, there's a fridge right there, and I punched it, and I didn't think you were going to see my whole hand on the on the deal. I was like, golly. And a bunch of our teammates were there. It's like, all right, we'll find out how good of a team this is. It's like, don't say anything, please. And he came in, and he's like, who did this? And I thought I was like, oh, somebody's going to say it. Well, I was like, I should have said it at the time now that I think about it, but nobody said anything, and we all had to like do like pretty brutal workout session on that Friday, and the whole team did it, and nobody nobody said anything. And five years after, I was like, Hib, that was me on the fridge. <laughs> he was like, I knew it, but nobody really said anything, and it proved that we had a really, really good team that I can lean on. Great, great stuff there from Eugenio Lopez Chikara and Abraham Answer. What a story that was. Abe Answer punching the refrigerator. And how about his buddies holding it down for him, right? Keeping it on the DL. <laughs> Mate, everyone else had to run, but they all took one for the team. That's, that's right. Uh, that's pretty big league stuff there. That is right. That proves how much Hibble was intimidating and how much all the other guys liked Abe Answer, right? I don't think they're going to do that for just anybody, but that was a really cool story from Abe Answer's time at the University of Oklahoma. T-Dub, this has been a long show, but it's been an awesome show. We got so much more content to give out to you guys. I feel like we didn't even scratch the surface, and we're sitting here like an hour and a half, T-Dub. Great stuff today. We got big interviews coming up tomorrow. I'm talking not okay interviews. We got massive interviews coming up tomorrow leading up to Live Tulsa coming up this weekend. Do me a favor. Go hit that subscribe button. It's absolutely free, and it just helps us out, and we'll give you a notification whenever we drop a new episode like we're going to all week. It's not just two a week this week, T-Dub. We're working overtime here at Cedar Ridge at Live Tulsa trying to give you guys the best content and an inside look into what a live event is actually like. Big thank you to Greg Grost, and big thank you to all the live people making today such an enjoyable one. Right, T-Dub? Oh, there's zero doubt about it. I mean, it was just a a great experience, and and huge thanks to Greg Grost as well. I mean, just a great, great interview there. I mean, just being able to go from being the OU National Championship coach to now state champion winning coach, quite a pedigree. It's a winner right there. A hundred percent, and... I mean, Sam, I'm still just in shock from earlier today, just from how close we got to some of these players. Like, it's just, like, I was not mentally prepared for that. And so it was like my system went into kind of a shock where it's yeah. like, you know, okay, you get it close to, like, TG, we've been close to him for however long. So, you know, that's a little different. But you see Phil Mickelson there. The you shock factor is not necessarily there because we know TG. Yeah. But we don't know Phil Mickelson, obviously. And so it was just like a shock factor everywhere you looked. And, and then, like, Charles Howe, we've obviously had him on the show, but I've never met him. Walks up to us like, we know each other for 30 years, you know, been best friends. So, I mean, no, it was... <laughs> a weird like situation, I said, I, 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 I think I'm going to be more prepared for it tomorrow, Sam, but at least for what happened today. I mean, there were so many situations where I was like... Like, not stage fright in a sense, but it's like... It is. I don't really know bit. what the hell to do right now. Like, <laughs> this is crazy. It was big-time stuff, and this is just the beginning of the week at Live Tulsa at Cedar Ridge up here in Broken Arrow, T-Dub. I cannot wait for tomorrow. I don't think our fans can either. 
Definitely go hit the subscribe button. Definitely go to golfoklahoma.org. Definitely go to the sportsanimal.com podcast page. We're right there. We're going to be right there on Sunday on 98.1 FM, WWLS, the sports animal on Sunday. Like always, we got all sorts of stuff. We have our updates throughout the week on the sports animal as well. You can't miss us this week. For Liv Tulsa, for Jim Woodward and Greg Gross and Taylor Williams, this has been Sam Humphreys on Oklahoma's Leader in Golf, the 73rd Hole Podcast. <laughs>